This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. It's wild because in worship, with all of us, there might be a different phrase that hits us, you know. And um, Heather had the one that hit her in the arms of a father. And the one that hit me um, was, I used to think I could box you in. (laughs) Now I almost laugh hysterically. Because I was thinking tonight about how, um, how he's built us. Like we think we can box in what is in us. We are fearfully and wonderfully built to emanate. To overflow. We were never built to hide the divinity because we're made in his image. I'm not saying we're God. But I mean some of the things... You know, scripture says, don't think more highly of yourself, but neither does it say, think lowly because we're made in his image. And so we are vessels, but we are not this car. This is like a car. You know, I drive a CRV. I am not a CRV. I drive a CRV. I am Kathy, the spirit person. I drive a human body. And the driving instructor is God. And he chose to live inside of us. And so I think all the time, I think so far out of the box, sometimes I scare me. But I think God wants us to press the envelope on truth. The spirit of truth living inside of us is how we realize, make real God existing in human flesh. I mean, how does God exist in human flesh? I'm looking. We just worshipped. We had musicians who played divinely and heavenly and in an anointed fashion that caused the day to melt away from us. And if it didn't melt away from you, no condemnation. Your day might have been a little bit wilder or weirder or whatever for you than mine was for me. Which it was, hey. (laughs) Right? But... There is this thing that happens with setting our minds. There is this thing that happens when we own our real estate. There is this thing that happens when we take ourselves to a place to remember who we are. See, it's very important to remember who you are. Many people may have made you think that you are lower class or you are tainted or you have blown it and there's no recovery. All of those things are lies. That's not the truth. You see, facts do exist on the planet, but they're not the truth. And so this life that God has given us, I was thinking about that. I used to think I could box you in. So now in so what happens is we have these euphoric times with God. We have these expressions maybe intimately in a gut-wrenching way. You know, sometimes intimacy is gut-wrenching. Anybody want to I'm put both hands up? Because sometimes the light comes and shines and we almost feel like, I just need to lick my wounds a little bit. Anybody ever been there? But then something starts happening. And then when you bring in the ministry of the word, the crazy thing to me is God is not trying to make us just be obedient kids. He is bringing wholeness. He's bringing wholeness. He brought wholeness. He brought us right into wholeness in worship. And it doesn't change now because this is what I've learned. There is one spirit flow. Remember I said last week, however many of us, there, we each have an individual flow. But when we decide to put our lives together, God takes all of our faith, each one of our individual faith. He takes our intentions. Maybe even he takes our desperation and he puts us together. Remember the scripture? We used to cut our teeth, man, particularly in, in learning about intercessory prayer. One puts a thousand to flight. Two puts 10,000. Okay, there's probably 45 to 50 people in the room. I'm not good at math, and I don't have my phone to pull the calculator. That's a lot, because we're not talking about just adding a person. We're talking about, um, what do they call it, exponential growth. That if one puts 1,000 and two puts 10,000, then three is some multiple of that, and then four is a multiple of all those previous three, and then... 50 is a multiple of all those previous 49. 
You see, God, God is doing something in this room. He's doing something, and he's even exponentially adding it from week to week. It doesn't happen this Wednesday. Then it ends. We go away. We come back, and it starts over next Wednesday. There's two years in, and some things have been happening, and I'm like getting crazed in some of this stuff, saying, Lord, I'm kind of overwhelmed. Because I don't know here exactly what he's doing. I don't have directions here. Alex and I were talking and it's like, you have a hold of something, but it's like, what? It's kind of like back in the day when we would be pregnant. They didn't do ultrasounds and tell us the gender of the baby. You found out when you delivered the baby. And some of the things God's doing in this house, we're going to find out when the baby crowns and comes out. And then just about the time that baby crowns, he's going to say, you're still pregnant. There's some more coming. It's a multiple birth in every one of us. Oh, God, help us. I I seriously say that. Not like disrespectfully or crudely. I say, God, help me. Help me to stay the course. Help me to not get so overwhelmed that I'm just like, I want to run and hide and just enjoy your presence. So we're in the series, Spirit-Filled Living. And I literally, it's so funny because I feel like God gave me this, but I'm in worship as a worshiper and as his daughter and just enjoying him and feeling him and thinking, okay, this is so beautiful and this feels so good. And I don't know, will this feel good on top of that? You know, sometimes you need an epidural because the baby's really big. So... He get yeah, you men. Just get a kidney stone, you'll get a little bit of an understanding. Tiny bit. Very tiny bit. Um I better not say that. Neil's not in here for me to say, hey, babe, can I say that? <laughs> he had a kidney stone once. I won't give all the details, but I called the emergency room and she said, Oh honey, bring him up. He has a kidney stone. We know how they act. <laughs> So the spirit-filled living, um, one of the things that was hitting me as I was thinking what this week would be was, I think so often, particularly in the church world, we think about the acts of God and good deeds, and we think about them out here. You know, like, I'm going to do something out here that's good, you know, and it, it honors God, and I need to behave out here. And we forget, I forget sometimes, that what happens out here is actually the product of what's happening inside. And so that's why tonight I found it interesting when, when I was caught by the, I used to think I could box you in. I used to think that how I'm built and what's happening on the inside, I could box it in. So I remember when I was growing up, they'd say, you know, if you have icky thought or you have something to mean to say to somebody, don't say it. You know, as long as you kept whatever you were thinking inside, no harm done. Until I came here and I met, met Pastor Barry Lubby. And then he did the toothpaste tube illustration at least once a month for the first 15 years I was here. And sometimes it was once a week, particularly in the training center. And it, that, that illustration is if you take the lid off of a toothpaste tube and you squish it, toothpaste is coming out. Whatever's in the tube is coming out. So he said, in life... Situation squeeze us. Okay, say no condemnation. Because we're learning, right? He's teaching us how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. He's teaching us, okay, things that are happening on Wednesday night. There's beautiful things emanating in worship. There's, and he says, I want you to drink in. And even I want you to learn about your interior life. So I'm, I'm like all in with that. I'm saying, Jesus, okay, I've been here a long time, but I want to learn more. God is God. So it's not like you reach this place and, oh, now I've got it together. Kind of like parenting. You think, well, once they leave the nest. <laughs> oh, God. If you've got little children, just rejoice right now that they never leave this nest or this nest. Ever. Sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning when you get awake. They're right there chirping. And whatever is pressurizing their toothpaste tube presses your tube. So life is pretty crazy, okay? 
There's two points that you're probably going to think, oh my God, what is she teaching? Two points that Paul gives us regarding Holy Spirit, because we're looking at the Spirit-filled life, right? Two points that Paul gives us regarding the Holy Spirit, and one is don't quench him, and the other one is don't grieve him. Two little simple words. They're so simple. And so we literally will think, I will think, okay, I'm going to behave myself. Like in some situations where I want to just spout out, I'm going to be quiet. Like I think I have the power to keep me quiet. (laughs) That's one of the funniest things I've probably ever said. It takes the power of God. You see some of the things in the way that we're built, but don't hate that. God wants to take advantage of those things. When we recognize ourselves and we know those things that almost seem uncontrollable, some of them are actually constraints that when you put them in the hand of God, they become masterfully divine in preaching the simple gospel. Because you know in the simple gospel, there's no condemnation. In the simple gospel, it's the good news that you have been completely saved and you are now free. So go out, get out of the jail. Get out of the cell. The door's open. Get out of the cell. And we think, oh, wonderful. Let me get out of the cell. And then as we walk, we find out, I feel like I'm still in the cell. But there's no cell. But there's situations that act like bars and locks. And yet he's built us to have remarkable, remarkable transformation by the power of the squishy stuff in the tube. Okay? So don't, don't quench him and don't grieve him. And there are many ways. Some of my notes, you know how I am. I'm going to read them because I, I feel like he gives them to me. So I'm going to, I write them down. I'm like, oh, okay, let me think about that one. There are many ways we can do this besides the most obvious. For example, we stop his movement first on the inside. First on the inside of us. When we ignore his guidance, which could be his teaching, his input, or his instruction. You know, like... He's really gracious to me. When I first started like overflowing and realizing, okay, I have a mouth and I'm a chatter for a reason. I mean, it was kind of shocking to find out that it actually was my gifting to talk. Because I was embarrassed. I was scared spitless to go in public and talk. So it doesn't make sense that my gift would be something that I don't want to do. I want to talk, but not like this. But we, when we think about he comes to help us with everything. We talked in chats tonight about how he comes to help us. And a couple of us shared some really vulnerable expressions that I'm not going to share in here. Um, but he cares about everything. Everything. That might scare you or bug you or hold you back. He cares. He cares and his, his guidance is there. How to handle certain aspects of either... Our personality, our inclinations, maybe even your own body, you know, and how your body functions. I mean, like literally your physical body and your different body functions. He can handle it all. So 1 Thessalonians, we're going to look at 5.16 to 19, and this is the quenching part. Okay, I'm just going to give you some scriptural things and then we're going to we're going to look at this because what I really want to challenge you to tonight is to begin to look at, okay, are there ways that I wouldn't necessarily say I'm either quenching him or grieving him? Because remember, when you grieve him, he's not walking away from you. And, you know, don't think like, oh, he's disappointed in me. Sometimes grieving can be, I, I have so much for you to say right now, but you're scared. It makes me sad that you're scared to say it. Or it makes me sad that you don't want to go in public, Kathy, because I want to put you in public. And I actually want to take your kookiness and your fears and help other people realize it's okay to have those things. Kooky and fear and insecurity and we don't want to keep them. But denying they're there doesn't make them go away. Okay? So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 And I'm going to go 16 to 19, and I'm reading the Passion Translation, so it might mess you up a little bit with yours, but anyways, it'll be fine. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan 
for you in Christ Jesus. This is, I think New King James says, this is God's will for you. You know, giving thanks, and it's so wild because Rafa um, facilitated chats, and that's what he brought, thankfulness. I said, man, like, you know, that one of my scriptures is along those lines. It's God's will that we be able. It's God's will, well, if it's God's will, that we be able to praise him and thank him in really crazy, dire stressful situations, then isn't it going to take God's will engaged with ours? You see, God is going to have to be willing to help me yield to thankfulness when I'm thinking, seriously, Jesus? But we're not thanking for the thing. We're thanking him. Sometimes we need to just thank him for how he's built us because he actually did build us to make it through anything. If you, if you do remember in Genesis... They were built to exist forever. But they chose a direction that messed with their soul big time. But think about that. These bodies were enabled to be eternal. Not immortal, but eternal. But even that, think about that. When we come to where we are now as humans... There is this aspect inside that we can walk in eternal life. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying sometimes there are thoughts that literally cause us to start dying on the inside. No condemnation. Think about it, though. Think about when um, one of the psalmists wrote, Oh, my soul, why are you cast down? Well, God didn't cast his soul down. Some of his thought processes did. And so he started reminding himself of God, God's goodness, God's faithfulness, and his soul started lifting. You see, emanating what's inside, we can take the train back and put it on a different track. Your mind, your will, and your emotions that are housed, that is like the most astounding computer with the most divine program. Do you realize that anything brilliant that you see on planet earth, a human brain thought it up. Come on, guys. Humans are remarkable. You are remarkable. You are sitting here tonight filled with the word of God. You just worshiped the God of creation. You were one with him. You might not have felt one with him, but you were one with him. Like you were manifesting union. With him. So his perfect plan, verse 19 says, never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. I used to love to think, like, okay, in worship, we should never shut him down. Never, never. Don't make the music stop, ever. But you see, not restraining him comes far before we're even in the room with music happening. Practicing not restraining him is practicing on the inside. When you give me a simple direction, will I follow that? Will I lean into it? If I don't want to do it, will I say, and I think it was last week or maybe Sunday that I said, I have said to God, I give you permission to change my mind. Because there's been a lot of things all through my life. But when I came here and started seeing the truth, I realized, okay, there's a lot of things that he wants to do that I really don't want to do. First of all, I didn't come here to be called. And I know this place didn't call me. But I didn't even come to go to church here. I wasn't going to stay here. I was Baptist. Baptists don't go to charismatic churches. I just wanted tongues so I could pray right. But I did, even that, I didn't want it to get out. I didn't want it to escape in the Baptist arena. I was just going to do it at home. I'm serious. This is, I'm telling you my thought processes. You have your own thought processes. And your thought processes, God is not condemning you over your thought processes. I want you to know that. He's not condemning you over your process of walking out your life. That is your life. God gave it to you. He didn't give it to the church. He didn't give it to me. He didn't give it to your friends. He gave it to you. You have the privilege to spend it how you feel to spend it. But he would love to guide you in that. Guide me in that. So that's the quenching. Don't quench. New King James, King James talks about rather than restrain, quenching. Okay? 
Ephesians 4.30. Isn't it funny how sometimes a phrase will make you think something? Just, just now when I thought 4.30, 4.30 is our quitting time in the office on regular days. And I, saw, I just saw a clock when I said Ephesians 4.30. I was like, I saw 4.30 on the clock. Not that clock, just inside me. But think about how powerful are words. They evoke pictures. That's divine. My seeing the clock saying 4.30, let's go home, wasn't divine. But the fact that words provoke pictures, because sometimes I believe, this is just me, don't, you know, make a doctrine out of it, but I believe when Jesus saw the Father doing, or saw himself doing things, saw the Father doing things in the earth, he saw himself doing what he felt the Father wanted done. I mean, if Father is invisible, how would Jesus see him doing stuff? But his imagination was divine in quality and intention. And so God knows like if he's the thought. You ever had a thought like I remember when I was on the praise team years and years and years ago. When I, we first moved to Manassas. And I would see myself kneeling. I was thinking well that's weird because I'm up here on the platform. And we were on a platform on the platform. And like if I kneel I might fall off the platform and make a scene. And, and anyways if I kneel up there then everybody's going to wonder well why is she kneeling? Because you know most of the time in church people don't kneel. Even here. I'm just saying. And I, I couldn't figure out like, okay, why, why do I see, get that picture up there? So one so- Sunday I decided, um, I think you're telling me something. <laughs> Duh. So I got on my knees. When I got on my knees, I ended up on my face. When I got on my face, I sensed him. Crazy strong. And didn't come back out of it until after the service was over and people were gone. And my daughter was sitting on the front row waiting for me to, whatever, come back from wherever. I'm not saying that because it's me. I'm saying, what might happen? You know, last week Alex was talking about, well, let your imagination, let your holy imagination go. What, what if? The what ifs in the good way. You know, we think a lot about what ifs in the bad way, don't we? Like, I'm in this dire situation and what if I go broke? What if it's a bad diagnosis? What if the money doesn't last? What if that person leaves me? What if we lose, you know, what ifs? We entertain them. All of these things are aspects of um, grieving or quenching. So Ephesians 4.30, I sent you all there. Let me find it because I'm looking in the wrong place. Ephesians 4.30 The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence. Again, this is the Passion Translation. I love that. His holy influence in your life. See, sometimes I think we get a thought of something spiritual or a thought of the Word of God, that something that he's doing inside of us, and we just think we're thinking of it. But see, the word working inside of us provokes certain thoughts. And it's like our spirit translates it to our brain so that we can think it in a demonstrable fashion. Are you all with me? Because this is serious business. Because so many times there are holy influences that God is bringing into our experience. Maybe even a holy experience to say, um, don't take that to heart. They didn't mean to hurt you. Holy influence. I mean, if you're feeling whatever, you're feeling like, well, it felt like they meant to hurt me. Ever been in a situation like that? I have, recently. But see, there is a holy influence that will come to save me from the bait. To save me from the bait. Jesus told his disciples, take no thought saying. And the powerful thing about that is the beginning of saying both good and yucky stuff happens inside first. We talk a lot of trash before it ever comes out of our mouth. We talk division before we ever divide. 
We think it, we talk it, we even conjure up. Think about it. Um, Witchcraft is actually a work of the flesh. Our will taking over situations. And so I'm only painting pictures, so don't get all freaked out by that. But words happening inside of us that are not healthy words will conjure up certain things, making in our lives doorways for the enemy to step in. We're the ones with the authority. So if we guard our gates properly, he doesn't have access. He may try and he may knock on the door and he may say something. But when we say, no, 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 I know that person loves me. That person respects me. That person is close to me. And I begin to take down that thing that felt like an arrow against my emotions and my feelings. It's, it's intentional living. And honestly, I do feel like, As we're looking at the spirit-filled life, I have felt this for myself. I'm like, thank you, God, that we go into these series and and they actually even even teaching. I'm looking at this stuff and I'm thinking about this stuff. And so my own points in my life are right there because he's bringing holy influence, not just so that I will pick it up and teach it outwards, but so that I will incorporate it into my thinking. And when I come, I can bring it from my heart and say, this is what I'm doing in life. And you all do the same thing in your own lives and then take it into your families. And then you take it into your workplaces. And when you do that, it's called evangelism. It's not a program. It's not a program. It's a spirit. Evangel lists or whatever the, in the Greek, it speaks of proclaiming. So my life, when I take proper thoughts, will proclaim the simple gospel, proclaim the good news that I'm a child of the most high God, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that I actually do have power over the things that come against me, the things that try to live inside me. I have power over that, but not when I eat a bunch of garbage. Colossians, let's go to Colossians 3. I don't know, like this past couple of weeks, bunches of scriptures are just like slamming me. I'm just like, oh man, Jesus, these scriptures. But they're ones that have been familiar, but he's putting them together differently. Ever had certain scriptures that for a while they stay in their boxes. They stay in the right place. Like they stay in their file. I remember a few years back, quite a few years back, when God started messing up my files. He just started messing up my files. And scriptures were like coming out of all these different places. And I'm like, no, that's a healing scripture. No, that's a, this scripture. Or, and they started coming all out. And I'm like, you're messing my files up here because I thought I had everything in an, in an organized, doable fashion. And then he starts ministering to me. I don't want you to compartmentalize your life. I don't want you going to think that it's going to work in this situation because you pulled out the right file. I want you to pull up the fountain where I've taught you certain things. The files are things I've taught you. Now let me use them inside of you. Because see, that lifts a weight of condemnation, lifts a weight of pressure, The Holy Spirit and the disciples, they were like, okay, we're getting all these ministry opportunities. And then the Holy Spirit was ministering. And whenever you're out where you go, God said to them, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Well, the Holy Spirit will give you what to meditate on. That's why I said, this is a remarkable computer. And with the program God intended to be in it, I'm going to tell you what. There is nothing that can take you down. You see, man, from that first little lousy decision, has been trained to die. God, in his goodness, his grace. Man, there was grace at one point that was so filling this room. I don't know if you guys could feel it. I mean, seriously, like I felt like we are swimming in grace in this room. There is a gracing in this room To be enlivened. It was so pronounced. So from the moment God saw, he saw before anything happened, you know, like he saw before anything existed, what was going to happen. And I know inside that love heart of his, he's like, oh, no, no, no. I had a plan and that plan is going to be realized. 
So he set up a way whereby we could, remember last week I said, the unruly attitude or the unrenewed attitude is an unruly beast. I don't know about your attitude, but my attitude can be a big old beast. You know that movie Abominable that's out right now? I'm going to tell you what, my attitude left to itself is bigger than any abominable. And it can be cold as ice. Colossians 3, verse 2. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts. Fill your thoughts. We're talking about the spirit-filled life. You want spirit-filled life? Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. That doesn't mean you're not ever going to have a natural thought. But when you have allowed God to program your thought processes so that no matter what happens on this path, I can cope with it. I'm just going to tell you, and this I think is for somebody, you must tell yourself that you can cope. You must tell yourself that you will be okay, that you can handle this life. I know that's hard. I totally know that's hard. And I know that you all in this room, we all know these things. These, nobody said it was easy. It's simple. Just fill your thoughts with God thoughts. Because that's basically what this is saying. So in that scripture, um, let me go back there. Where it said, feast on the treasures, fill your thoughts. In the New King James, it says, set your mind, okay, on the things of God. And in the King James Version, it says, set your affections on the things of God. Now, I want to tell you what that word is. It's phroneo. And here's what that word, mind or affections or thoughts, letting your thoughts be full or set. It means to exercise the mind, to be mentally disposed towards something. Filling your thoughts with heavenly things is... Being predisposed towards success. Heavenly thoughts will cause you to be predisposed. Now, here's the deal, guys. Don't think that because you start in this one minute like now, everything is just going to wipe clean. Ta-da! Here we are. And everything got good. And I don't have any more trouble. No, sometimes, and Pastor Barry used to say this, and it was such a beautiful illustration and such a, an impactful illustration. He said those huge cruise ships... When they turn around, it takes six miles to turn a cruise ship. Six miles, guys, to turn a big ship. So if you've got a big ship of crazy thinking, it might take a little while to turn it. But the goodness and the grace of God and the mercy is that he will come into your attitude right then. He will pick you up and say, I will not let you go crazy. I won't let you falter. You're going to have to pick up back and there's some consequences, but you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be afraid. I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be a friend to you. I will be a father to you. You will know God because I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to use this book to talk to you. I'm going to use pictures to talk to you. I'm going to use things that your parents taught you that you learned in Sunday school when you were four years old and you might be 104 now, but it'll rise up. I heard a testimony um, actually was said in one of our care groups and um, this gal that was in our care group who had dealt with drug addiction and she had gone to church once to a vacation Bible school when she was a little kid and she heard the simple gospel. She heard that Jesus loved her and that God had paid a price for her to be utterly saved. Fast forward to about the age of 21 or 22. She's in a closet in a drug rehab center in the fetal position thinking she's losing her mind. And up in the fountain comes the simple gospel right up inside her. And she prayed a prayer in a closet, in a closet. And Jesus saved her like that. Come on, guys. This is powerful stuff. This is not church. 
This is not for the lily-livered. This is, this is for the, the gutsy people that say, I'm not going to be stuck on a church pew. We sit on them together, but don't let your mind be stuck on a pew that says, you're not good enough. You're not big enough. This is just God. Just suffer through. Hold tight till you go home. No, man, we be home. You're living eternal life now, right now. So to be predisposed, the meaning more or less is to think earnestly in a certain direction. To think earnestly. You know, sometimes when people are so earnest, it's touching. You know, when people really care for you and, and I've had people that pray prayers for me or over me and the earnestness literally will captivate your heart with divinity. That earnestness, because that, that is a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When people care about people, that's the gospel, guys. People caring about people, caring when it hurts. I remember somebody one time came to me and the situation had gone on and they'd handled it a certain way. And um, I had done it those ways in times past. And this person said, but they were ridiculous and they did this and this and this. And, and it was a personal thing. And um, they were so angry. And they were just like, this is how I handled it. And as a leader, I felt like this is, was the right way to handle it. And I was captivated because I said, and not in a good way though, but I said, do you care how that, per- yeah, the person was wrong, but do you care how they felt? Sometimes I have to remind myself in handling any situation how people feel. I'm just saying. So it's to think earnestly in a certain direction. To interest oneself in something. Sometimes we interest ourselves in things, you know, we're not really interested. But we look at it. And then evil is seductive. You know, like those thoughts, like you drive down the highway and you see an accident and you want to look. There are things that aren't edifying that grab our attention. We have to learn that about ourselves. What are the things? What are the creepy thoughts? What are the patterns of thinking that grab your attention and interest you? And yet then the ramifications of it, you don't want. It's to think. Remember, we're talking about that word about set your mind. Set your mind. Talking about your mind. It's to think or regard or be mindful. Mindful. Being mindful is a mind filled. See, spirit-filled living doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the holy spirit-filled living. I mean, we're built to be spirit-filled. I'm just like, because I, I, like, that's what I think about. Wow. I can have all kinds of spirits filling me. Not in my spirit, but in my thinking. I think sometimes when we think creepy thoughts, we don't realize it does open stuff. I'm going to say no condemnation, Kathy, no condemnation. Because, I mean, I've had some creepy thoughts in the past 24 hours that I've had to say, no, 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 I'm not taking that thought. I'm not taking that. And I might have to say it over and over, not just for 24 hours. I might have to say it over and over for 24 days, maybe 24 weeks. Maybe always for my life. Because, you know, this is the one thing. I'm cognizant of the fact of there are things that have happened to some humans I have no context for. I grew up in a really good family. Were my parents perfect? No. But they were very loving and very kind. Not everyone had that. And so there are some things that are unthinkable, that live in your mind, and they don't go away. And so it may be, it just may be, that you have to lasso that thing quite often. But it is safe to do that. It's safe thinking for you to not give it free reign. Um, to set your mind or, or th- that freneo, it's to savor something. Ew. Or be of the same mind. You see, even like, um, and no condemnation if anybody's ever been here, but it, perversions, all forms of perversions start out with tiny little enticing things that seem harmless. And yet people can end up in really devastating places of perversion. 
because of entertaining. But again, it's not that we're just icky people. It's we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So we're made that if we take a thought, that thought is a seed and will multiply inside of us. So we can rejoice because if I will, when that crazy thought comes, if I will take a profound scripture that God has ministered to my heart and I take it as a seed, I can be really excited that that seed will grow. And that seed will overtake the creepy thing. It will literally cause it to die. It will choke it out. Weeds aren't the only thing that's powerful to choke out good plants. Good plants can choke out weeds. And grow good vegetables. See, these are things that... What I'm saying to you tonight, I don't mean it for con. I'm like saying, Lord, I really want to go to the next level with understanding spirit-filled living. I don't want to do the spirit-filled church life. You know that I always say, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I love church. I don't want to keep what we have, the beauty we have, and the brilliance we have with truth inside of these walls. I want it to go home with me. I want it to happen in my home. I want it to happen all over the place. I want it to happen for you guys. I want us to talk honestly in here. And to care about one another and to believe with one another. I believe for you guys when you come here that these things, whether it's me teaching or whoever it's teaching or the things that are being taught through the music, you do understand that what a powerful way to be taught the word through anointed musicians and songwriters. And this is the word that we're singing. This is the word we're singing. And, and I heard a worship leader say in one of his teachings one time that um, music has the power to enter the human mind without permission. You see, we lose ourselves in music. Music just causes you to relax and let your guard down. So you don't like have all that up there like, mm, I'm not taking that. We just, oh, I like this worship. This is beautiful. This is soothing. And inside your mind goes the movement of the anointing of God. And the anointing destroys every yoke of bondage. That's why I say, open your heart. Open your heart so much. Don't worry about what you're going to look like or whether it's the song you want. The word of God is rolling like a blanket off this platform. Through every note. Even the notes you think, I'm just going to sit here and relax because I've had a long day. Cool, go ahead, relax. But drink it in. To savor, to be of the same mind, to be like-minded, to set the affection on. This word implies deep or serious reflection. Colossians 3.16. Bless you. Let me find 16. 3.16. Let the word of Christ live in you richly. New King James or King James says dwell in you richly. Dwell. Let it take up habitation in you. Not just the word of Christ from the Bible. What's he saying to you? Let it dwell in you. Let it take over your thinking. Flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the spirit to sing God with all your hearts. Or sing to God with all your hearts. Look at that. Let the word of Christ live in you. Richly. That word for word is logos. And, you know, we sometimes teach on, on logos and rhema. And sometimes we um, get very compartmentalized with, you know, rhema is the spoken word. It spoke personally to you. And logos is just the written word. And it's not as, the fuzzy, it's not as fuzzy. It's not as intimate. But that's not necessarily so. Logos is something said or a thought. It's reasoning and motive. It's the divine expression and communication. The Logos. You see, there's not Logos or Rhema that's not, like not way supernatural. Rhema is when God says, I'm going to take the Logos. I'm taking these shoes off so I don't trip because I'm too excited to think about it. But think about it. The, the Logos. God takes the Logos, that divine motive of his, that divine intention. And he says, I'm going to come talk it to you personally. I'm going to take what you have been finding in this book and I'm going to unlock it. I'm going to, remember weeks ago and I said that when I was little, I dissected a um, tadpole. God says, I'm going to dissect 
this word for you personally. Some of what I'm going to show you, nobody else wants to see it. Nobody else will look at it. See, sometimes, like, nobody else wanted to see what that tadpole looked like. I was just, it was gross, and I was so sad, and then I felt guilty because I, whatever. I had my own biology lab. But, but think about it. God, God says, I know what you need. And I'm going to slice this truth open in front of you. And only what I say is going to mean something to you. Nobody else might not get your revelation. They might not understand. They might not even care. To them, they might think, have you ever shared a revelation? And the person's like, oh. And you're thinking, oh, this changed my life. That's, that's why sometimes... I'm not even going to say, do you want to hear what God's been showing me with some people? Because it's like, their response, I'm like, oh, this is, <laughs> uh, talk about quenching. <laughs> it's like, don't quench the spirit that i got right now. So it's divine. We must stay full of the same intents and motives that Jesus was filled with. His sole purpose was to do the Father's will. But remember, he's, his sole purpose wasn't just out here like, let me, just let, let me look good. Let me look good so I can bring glory to the Father. No. He didn't come to prove that he was God or that God was God. The scriptures say that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, what happens out in the world that is the works of the devil starts inside human brains. Sometimes we got to just, okay, let's stop. No condemnation, right? But all the evil happening on the planet is being done by humans. The anger on the planet comes from humans. The killing on the planet comes from humans. The wars are started by humans. And a huge big war starts with just a couple of people having a difference of opinion. Watch out, United States. Don't let a spirit of war come in this nation. Division is the beginning of the spirit of war. So watch, I'm going to say it, watch out for politics. Watch out. It's a vicious beast. This is called the United States. We were never meant to be divided with respect to nationality. We invited people here. That'd be like inviting people to dinner and then telling them to go away. It was never meant to be divided by racism. Genders coming against each other. None of it. This country was meant by God to have Jesus as Lord. So his sole purpose was to do the Father's will. We must not think religiously that the Father's will is simply good deeds. Because it is primarily, catch this tonight if you don't catch anything else. Good deeds is not God's deal. God's primary is our well-being. Our soundness of mind and our peace. Just think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Not the planet, the people on the planet. All the people on the planet. His intention was people. When we are sound, the outworking or the flow is those good deeds. So this is why we want to take back our interior and and say, okay, God, I'm going to be sound on the inside. I'm not going to let things divide me from others. I'm not going to let my opinions. Oh, gosh, I have to to stay with God on things like this because I have an opinion on everything. And there's not a person living on the planet that I agree on every point with. I'm just, I know that. I know, I, I don't, I don't, I think even in marriage, you, you don't see things the same. You don't feel things the same. Neil and I have been married almost 42 years. You don't stay together 42 years by the power of a man and a woman. And I'm going to say, you don't stay together by the power of, oh, love, I love him. It doesn't, it's God. It's God who reminds you of your commitment, reminds you that you have raised children That there's fruit to this. That there's an investment. And I heard somebody say one time, they were like, yeah, I agree with all that. But you know what? The other thing is, the grass in all the yards has to be mowed. So you might think the grass is greener on the other side, but you're going to have to tend that grass too. I thought that was so funny. Like, yeah. 
I've learned how to mow this grass. I ain't going nowhere. Here's the big truth. Neil learned how to mow this grass. God help him every day, please. Okay, so Philippians 4, 8, 9. This is so familiar to people, but take this one, man. Because all these scriptures, your interior, you have such valuable real estate. Such valuable. Philippians 4, 8, 9. Um, Let me find. I can't. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is. I love the passion with this. All that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy and merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts. Fasten your thoughts. See, thoughts were built to be fastened on something. We were built to put a focus on something. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. What an exhortation, man. Are you all with me? That's crazy. If, you're, if your thoughts, if you let God help you stabilize thoughts, I'm saying, help me stabilize my thoughts. They have been so crazy this week. Just couple of different things that have made my thoughts just kind of almost be like a big old train going down a track like a runaway train. Ever seen those movies, The Runaway Train? It's kind of like the suspense is amazing. And not, you know, like with my thoughts, it wasn't amazing in a good way. It was like, how did I get here? My goodness, stop. Stop, stop, Kathy. So this has to do with having safe thinking. Or we could say a healthy mindset. I've been, even with working with this, I said, thank you, Lord, that this is where from last week we would go this week. Because even in where I was at, looking at these scriptures and thinking about them and taking and fastening my thoughts to these thoughts and even fastening my thoughts to, okay, God, as I share this with my brothers and sisters, what will you be doing for all of us? And what, what will you be doing in our gathering? I'm fastening my thoughts to even like, Okay, what will the seed? It's helping me. How will it help you? It's almost like I have a basket of food I want to share. And you all have baskets of food. Share it. Don't wait until you think you have utter astounding, profound revelation. Share it now. Share and talk with your friends. Talk with your coworkers. Whoever is willing to talk spiritually, talk to them. Share things. Talk. Ask people what they're learning and begin to just stimulate that because that's kind of that piece like in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, but it can be like testimonies. And I've just kind of been thinking about this and what do you think about that? And just letting the Spirit of God because Jesus said, wherever two or three of you are gathered, I'll be in the midst. If he's in our midst with us and we're saying cool things and meditating, you think he's agreeing? He literally will sit with us by his spirit and agree. Bring the agreement of God. Bring the gracing of God right into the situation. Sometimes have you ever thought about like, how does all this happen? I believe this is how it happens. We don't necessarily know it's happening, but God literally says, oh my gosh, Kathy, I agree. I agree. Just taking a good thought. He will say, yep, yep, I'm in. Sometimes we just want, oh, tell me what to do, God. But he'll lead us to the word. And then we say, well, direct me what, what activity should I do and what this. Sometimes I think it doesn't even matter. Do it in faith. And he says, I'm in. You're in faith. That miracle. Uh, yes, I'll do it. Because, you know, sometimes we'll say, well, I don't know if I should pray for that person. Did he tell me to pray for that person? Do you feel inclined to pray for him? Pray for him. What's your inclination? Right? Just do, or to talk to him. Have a conversation. And God's all up in the middle of it. Stuff like that turns me on. I don't, maybe it doesn't you, but I'm just like, oh, gosh. I don't want to think just church thoughts about what you're doing, God. I want you to be all up in moving around in the world with peace, with calm, with security. I just don't think we should all be afraid all the time. Ephesians 4. I have seven minutes. Ephesians, I'm going the wrong direction. I might finish. Ephesians 4, 
um, verses 17 and 18. Am I in the right place? So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Think about where delusions come from. Our thinking, right? Deluded. Their corrupt, corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness. Think about it. Outward stuff comes from thinking crazy inside. Keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Did I say 19? No, 17 and 18. So verse 18 um, in the New King James says, because of the blindness of their heart, and it does actually mean spirit. But the word, um, the word for blindness is the word porosis. And it is a medical term. This is wild. It's a medical term describing the process by which fractured bones are set by an ossifying or calloused petrifying. You know, like when they set your broken bone in a cast, and then that calcifying starts bringing the bone back together. But it's hard and petrified. And it's used metaphor- when it's used metaphorically, it denotes a dulled spiritual perceptivity, or we could say spiritual blindness or hardness. So when we have thoughts that are contradictory to what our hearts know is God, it can start having this hardness. Like, you know, we can get um, just hardened almost to nothing looks good. Nothing good is happening. Um, things don't work well for me. Or with fear, the, the, it can harden the softness where God says, I'm with you. I'm with you all the time, Kathy. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of the aging process. You don't, you don't have to assume that everything in your body is going to go like it did in previous generations in your family because you've been, you've been delivered from, from the law of sin and death and from curses, even genetic curses or illnesses. You see, I have to set my mind on the truth, not set my mind on the facts that are in my historical or heritage genetics. Are you with me? But if I don't set my mind properly, then my thinking becomes hard and blind. And so then I go to the word and I'm thinking, eh, well, this isn't working for me. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be retrieved. It might be painful. Rebreaking a bone when it grows wrong is pain, painful. But sometimes doctors have to do that. And sometimes with our thinking. We've been taught for many years in, in religious, you know, denominational thinking. I was taught that healing had passed away. I was taught that tongues had passed away. That all those things were signs and wonders in Jesus' day. They were not for us now. So there had been a hardness to where I couldn't even see in the scriptures the promises that were mine. I literally saw the scriptures a certain way. And I remember the day that I got baptized in the spirit, Pastor Barry spent about three and a half or four hours with me and helped me deconstruct the scriptures that had told me I could not pray in tongues. Do you know that after that day, I went back and I couldn't find those scriptures. They didn't look the same anymore because he had rebroken And God had already started rebuilding something. You see, I had been taught to read these scriptures a certain way. The beautiful thing is you are filled with the Holy Spirit who wants to teach you to read these scriptures in the fashion that your father intended for them to bring you to utter astounding success. See, even tonight, there's breaking of certain thought processes for us that you are remarkable. You are fully capable of taking this scripture and living miraculously. But don't get all caught up in the miracle out here yet. Stay inside. And I'm not saying don't do them out here. I'm just saying let the interior stuff come. Let God's thinking change you from the inside out. Um, oh, golly gee willikers. Ephesians four twenty-two to 24. Um, this is a lot, do I? I think I'm just going to talk some of this. So just put in your notes, um, if you're taking notes, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. And we've seen where Paul taught the church at Ephesus about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And this is an activity of choosing our thought life. 
What we choose will be evident just like the clothes we choose to put on or take off. You know, sometimes if you're real fashion conscious, you might try on an outfit and you look in the mirror and you say, this isn't even in style anymore. You've put it on, but you decided, nah, I'm not wearing this. I don't like what this says about me. And so you take it off. It's time for us to do those kinds of things with our thought processes. I've worn this creepy kind of thinking for too long. I've worn a low self-esteem insecurity for too long. I'm taking it off. I'm taking it off. I'm, I'm going to let God say some new things. Or uh, the things that he's been saying to me 30 years here. For me, 30 years here, I'm going to let him say some different things about what he's been saying to me for 30 years. There was an intention in what he built. He never meant for what he built in me for 30 years at Living Faith to stay in a box one certain way. He meant for me to take those treasures out of the box, try them on in different forms. Put, put the shirt on as pants. Put the pants on as a shirt. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to jolt thinking because remember with little kids, they would have backwards day. They would wear their shirt backwards, wear their pants backwards, whatever, um, jam, pajama day. People don't wear pajamas in public. Well, they do. Yes, they do. See, there are certain things in Christianity that we've learned in church services or church classes that say, you don't speak in tongues in this day. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, says, I pray in tongues more than ye all. Why did I not see that in my denomination? I had been trained not to see it. Because we went from 1 Corinthians 13... To 15. Never read the 14th chapter. I always thought about that. Once I came here, I'm like, that's so strategic. It's very slick. But you see, we don't want to get cynical or mad or mean or bitter because whatever we've been taught, the people that taught us were taught that. So that's why now it's time for us to just not judge, but go ahead and live the word of God in your heart, in your life. Take your jewels out of the box and look at them. Say, Lord, what have you put inside me? Even in a denomination, I came here and there were things put inside me that said, this is the word of God from cover to cover. That was a jewel I got in a denominational church. I got that jewel. Put your hand to the plow and don't take it off. I got that in a denominational church, not a charismania church. I'm just saying, I'm not dissing any, I'm just saying, you've got treasures in you. What does God want to do with them? So this is an activity. This putting on and putting off is an activity. Give me two minutes. Will you give me two more minutes? So take some time and develop your own way. Okay of filtering or discerning just what messes with your interior. You see, we all have personalities. Some of you that know me well, you know the things I grapple with. And so people that know me well, that I let speak into my life, they'll help me when I'm getting a little crazy. It's important that we learn ourselves and then trust people around us to help us when we fall back again. So we need to learn about filtering and discerning what messes with your interior and how to let truth transform it. It may be painful. Let the Holy Spirit come supernaturally and break some bones so that he can put the right kind of mending. See, this word will mend you to the uttermost. This word will bring wholeness to your soul. Wholeness to your soul. Let this word be a lullaby to your life. It literally can be a lullaby. Our interior is like, and I'm going to end with this, like a developmental lab where our lives are put together by God. He fills us. He fills our interior rooms with treasure, with real life, with the spirit of life. Remember last week I referred to um, John 6, 63, where Jesus said, my words, my communication to you, the words I speak to your heart, they are life and they're spirit. They're not common. They're not just doctrines. They're not just principles. They're not rules. They actually are 
the government of God, his spirit, coming to govern, govern in our interior and teach us how to avoid an overthrow. Father, we love you and we honor you in this place. I thank you so much. Oh my goodness, Father, thank you so much for this school of word and worship. Thank you that we live in a household that allows us to have a space of time like this where we truly delve into your word. We truly delve into intimacy with you in musical worship, that we truly allow you to take the constraints off our thought processes. And and you even help us to have a safe environment where no one, not one person, young or old, has to feel intimidated or insecure or unsafe. We thank you that you alone have put together this space. And we honor you for this. And I thank you, Father, that you have given each one of these men and women and the children, you've given them your Holy Spirit to guide them and teach them and and help them on their path of life. I declare that the children who have heard in here tonight, the little ones, this is seed. Whether they've understood with their brains or not, Father, I thank you for the seed, divine seed that's gone into those precious lives, that they will literally be able to avoid some of the things that some of us were trapped by. So we honor you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a great rest of your week.